This video is brought to you by Devout Decals, makers of reusable Catholic art for your home altar, your bedroom, and your home classroom. A group of monks has shown the church the way forward in this time of apostasy and heresy coming from the papacy and from Rome. Stand up, declare that you will keep your vows to uphold the faith and the traditions of the faith, and do not back down. They are an example for us all, so today I have the story that most people missed of a group of monks penning an open letter to the Congregation for Divine Worship that essentially tells Archbishop Roach to take his decree and go away. Let's get started. But as we often do, let's start by checking in with Paca Papa Francis, who had some words of wisdom at his audience for the Feast of the Epiphany. Here he makes some digs at the traditional Catholics by invoking references to dead language and formalities of faith that apparently push people away. Apparently he's never actually seen how packed traditional parishes are in most places. Quoting the bridegroom of the Pacamama, quote, we do well to ask, where are we on our journey of faith? Have we been stuck all too long nestled inside a conventional, external, and formal religiosity that no longer warms our hearts and changes our lives? Do our words and liturgies ignite in people's hearts a desire to move towards God? Or are they a dead language that speaks only of itself and to itself? End quote. An external and formal religiosity that only speaks of itself and to itself. Wow. Essentially, he's calling the formal observances of the faith narcissistic. Okay, then. Not that it's narcissistic to think you can undo 2,000 years of church history on a whim or anything. But I digress. Recently, the Benedictines of the Immaculate, a traditional Benedictine group based in France, issued a response letter to Archbishop Roach and Francis on their demand to submit to the suppression of the sacred liturgy and traditional sacraments. If you've not heard of this group, they are a traditional Benedictine group that was founded in 2008 in the wake of Samorum Pontificum, and they practice exclusively the traditional liturgy and sacraments, both inside their monastery and outside as well. They are the real deal, and like any other group of traditional monks, they are the subject of vicious calumnies and attacks because they are traditional. So be wary of any group purporting to be on our side who goes after traditional monks based on rumors. But anyway, their letter is enlightening to say the least, and it is a good example of what we need more of from our religious communities and priestly fraternities. And all those groups need your support this time, especially in this time where they're being attacked from all sides. The letter is short, so I have it for you here now. Statement from the Benedictines of the Immaculate The Congregation for Divine Worship is not all-powerful. Regarding the Modu Proprio Traditionis Custodis of July 16, 2021, and the response to the dubia by the Congregation for Divine Worship promulgated on December 18th, we, the Benedictine monks of the Immaculate of the Monastery of St. Catherine of Siena in Tagia, founded on August 1, 2008, by Bishop Mario Oliveri, erected as an Institute of Consecrated Life of Diocesan Rite on March 21, 2017, and transferred to the Diocese of Ventimiglia San Remo on November 18, 2020, by the decree of the Bishop of the Diocese, Monsignor Antonio Sueta, have promised to be faithful to our constitutions, which have been approved by the Holy See, and under which we have taken the sacred vows of religion. In particular, as stated in the prologue of said constitutions, we have committed ourselves before God and the Church to always keep, quote, 
as our proper rite, both outside and inside the monastery, the liturgy of the Mass celebrated according to the more than 1,000-year-old form of the Holy Roman Church, which was never abrogated, modo proprio Samorum pontificum, with its Latin language and Gregorian chant, end quote. This solemn commitment includes the use of the ancient Roman ritual and pontifical, as evidenced by the ordination ceremonies performed since our foundation. We do all this out of fidelity to the canons of the rite definitively fixed at the Council of Trent, which provided an insurmountable barrier to any heresy directed against the integrity of the mystery of the Mass. As Archbishop Antonio Sueta publicly stated on television on August 24th, 2021, we are, quote, the guardians and witnesses of the most ancient tradition of the Church, end quote. It is thus and not otherwise that we will remain faithful, whatever the cost. Throughout the intercession of the Immaculate Blessed Virgin Mary, may the Supreme Pontiff be enlightened in his function as Vicar of Christ, so that the Catholic faith in its purity and the traditional liturgy that guarantees it may once again shine before the eyes of the world and for the salvation of souls, and that all the assaults of error and corruption against the Holy Church may be defeated. Signed the 21st of December, 2021, on the Feast of St. Thomas the Apostle. And that is how it's done. Some groups have debated whether they believe that Traditionis Custodis applies to them. Some say yes, others say no. It appears that the Benedictines here believe that it, that it does, or at least that it's intended to, but they reject it due to prior oaths sworn to their constitutions and a promise of fidelity to uphold the traditions of the faith. No power on earth can force you to break an oath sworn, especially one of such gravity as an oath to uphold the faith. Here the monks have chosen, and I think chosen wisely. Will their road ahead be hard? Almost certainly. But they have the courage to move forward, regardless of the cost. There has been an argument put forth recently that Traditionis Custodis and the supporting documents are invalid, canonically in error, lazy in their formulation, and, of course, illegitimate. Dr. Peter Kwasniewski at 1 Peter 5 has an article with more than 30 canonical flaws and other errors in the, in the document. I will try to report to quote him minimally, and I'll invite you to read the article for yourself, which I have linked over at returntotradition.org in today's show notes. Just skip past the Patreon pop-up and look for the post with this video title in it, and you'll find it there. I'll post it directly. He, I, I would post it directly here, but our hosts explicitly say not to post links to competing advertising websites, and I do try to follow their just rules as much as possible. Now, according to the article, which has the title, Oh, What a Tangled Web, 33 Falsehoods in the CDW's Responsa Ad Dubia, is a blunt takedown of the responses ad dubia, and by extension of Traditionis Custodis, and Francis's illegitimate intentions with it. The premise Dr. Kwasniewski proposes is rather simple. There are 33 verifiable errors or outright lies in the document. Again, I'm not going to go over all of them, and I'll just keep my quoting minimal here. I'll just focus on two of the falsehoods. First, falsehood number one, quote, Following the publication by Pope Francis of the Apostolic Letter Motu Proprio Data Traditionis Custodis on the use of the liturgical books from prior to the reform of the Second Vatican Council, dot, 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 end quote. In other words, the falsehood is that the new Mass and Traditionis Custodis are in keeping with the decrees of the Second Vatican Council. It's either a lie or an error. Choose one because those are the only options, and the idea that the Council decreed that the suppression of the liturgy is often repeated, and we'll go into that more of that in a moment. Dr. Kwasniewski repeats what then-Cardinal Ratzinger said in the late 1970s about this issue in a letter, and I'll quote him here, quote, 
The problem of the new missile lies in its abandonment of a historical process that was always continual before and after St. Pius V, and in the creation of a completely new book, although it was compiled of old material, the publication of which was accompanied by a, pro a prohibition of all that came before it, which, besides, is unheard of in the history of both law and liturgy. And I can say with certainty, based on my knowledge of the conciliar debates and my repeated readings of the speeches made by the Council Fathers, that this does not correspond to the intentions of the Second Vatican Council. End quote. In other words, the claim that the suppression of the trad traditional liturgy is something called for by the Council is an error and it's nonsense. <laughs> Moving on. Falsehood 5 says, quote, one fact is undeniable. The Council Fathers perceived the urgent need for reform, so the truth of the faith, as celebrated, might appear evermore in all its beauty, and the people of God might grow in full, active, conscious participation of the liturgical celebration. See Sacrosanctum Concilium number 14. End quote. The claim is simple. The modernists say that the Council saw an urgent need to drastically reform the liturgy. That's not true, and is in fact an inversion of the truth. The Council Fathers, according to all the records, agreed upon a moderate revision of the traditional liturgy and intended to keep the vast majority of the Mass in Latin, maybe with the Pater Noster or Our Father in the Vernacular, as well as maybe the Gloria. Sacred music of the kind heard at the typical Latin Mass is what was approved at the Council for the revision of the Mass, not the guitar hymns we often hear or the Protestant songs often sung at the new Mass. But a massive, all-encompassing reform of the liturgy is not what the Council approved, though, as Dr. K notes, there were enormous loopholes left in the documents that were then used to give us the new Mass and its musical sacrileges that are all too common in our time. The money quote from this article is this statement from Dr. Kwasniewski, though. Quote, Comprised by so many serious errors in ecclesiology, sacramental theology, and liturgical science, marked by pervasive misconceptions and canonical violations, it is impossible to escape the double conclusion that a. the responsa are illegitimate and void of binding force, and b. that the prefect of the Congregation for Divine Worship is professionally incompetent and unable to fulfill his grave obligations. End quote. Ouch. In other words, the document isn't binding on the faithful, on the bishops, on the priests, on anyone, and what we need is for the members of the hierarchy who either object to this because they understand and have the faith, or at least don't want to deal with it because of the headache it'll cause them, is for all of them to find their spines and issue statements similar in spirit to what the Benedictines of the Immaculate released last week. I'm not going to hold my breath on that happening, though. I think what we're all waiting for is more bishops to stand up to Rome on this issue. I want to remind you of what one bishop said that was correct, the correct attitude. Bishop Mutzeritz of the Netherlands came out with a strong statement just days after Traditionis Custodis was released last summer that has been echoed by laymen around the world since, when he reminded us that the liturgy, and by extension the faith, are not the toys of the popes to be played with and altered at their leisure. Quote, Pope Francis is now pretending that his motu proprio belongs to the organic development of the church, which utterly contradicts the reality. By making the Latin Mass practically impossible, he finally breaks with the age-old liturgical tradition of the Roman Catholic Church. Liturgy is not a toy of popes. It is the heritage of the church. The old Mass is not about nostalgia or taste. The pope should be the guardian of tradition. The pope is a gardener, not a manufacturer. Canon law is not merely a matter of positive law. There is also such a thing as natural law and divine law. And moreover, there is such a thing as tradition that cannot simply be brushed aside. What Pope Francis is doing here has nothing to do with evangelization and even less to do with mercy. It is more like ideology. End quote. 
ideology is pretty close to what he's doing. What he's seeing is the manifestation of modernism without the trappings of the hermeneutic of continuity to hide the fact that modernism is a break from the history of the church. The hermeneutic of continuity was, to use some crude internet terminology, pure cope. It was an attempt by those who held to it to shield themselves and the laity from the fact that the church has a serious problem with heresy, and that at this point only an act of God is going to end it. But that's the thing. God will act. Maybe he's waiting on the laity to fulfill the request given by Our Lady of Fatima for the laity to keep the five first Saturdays devotion. I think so, and I've made a few videos on that in the past, but I'm due to revisit the topic soon, so let me know if you want me to revisit the five first Saturdays devotion again. It's time to keep the devotion if you haven't. It was asked for by Our Lady of Fatima. Now, what did you think of all this? Dr. Kwasniewski reveals at least 33 lies or errors in the response to the dubia from Archbishop Roach, and one group of Benedictines had the courage that would make their saintly founder proud. Will more follow? Let me know in the comments below, and like and subscribe if you haven't. It really does help. As always, pray for the Church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.